Thank you for joining Sumter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. This morning, we're continuing a series that we've been in. So God has been forming a team here um, for, well, about six months or a little longer, maybe, uh, of people who are really looking to strive after a relationship with Christ and deep relationships with one another. And so we've been reading through the Gospel of John. And and if you have never read Scripture or it's something you'd like to start or it's just something you haven't done in a while, I encourage you to pick up a bookmark at at our back table and, and begin reading. Go ahead and and play some catch-up if you need to. We're about, you know, 15 chapters in, but it's not a hard book to read. Just start reading in chapter 1 and get all the way up to where we're reading a couple chapters a week together. And that's something we're going to continue to do as a community of faith. We'll always be reading together the scriptures so that as we see one another, it's an easy way to encourage. How's your reading been going? What are you hearing from God? It's, it's a great way to encourage one another if we're in the Word together. And so I encourage you to do that and make that a practice. It's important that we're hearing from God and that we're reading the Word of God together because this world teaches us to live in a way that Scripture does not. If if we've ever sat back and just evaluated the culture and the world around us, it doesn't line up with the teachings of Scripture. And that's not coming from a place of judgmentalism. That's just coming from a place of observation. That how the scriptures describe God's intention for the world, it has not played itself out. And it's not that hard for people to to admit that. A non-believer can admit there's something wrong with the world. There's something wrong when mass murders are occurring and genocide and poverty and and hunger. There's something wrong. Even non-believers know this to be true and that's why social activism is such a big deal. We can tell that the world is not how it should be. And you know another thing that's wrong with the world is that we've been taught and trained by our culture and by our world to live very surface-level, shallow lives. We've been taught that the fulfillment of life that we will get will come from things that only really go surface-level, that don't go much deeper. The material goods that we possess, the kind of extent of our network or friendships, Right? Social media has only expounded this problem. How many likes and, and, and friend requests can I get? Can I be an influencer where people want to know what I'm posting and talking about and what pictures I'm putting up? Right? This culture shapes us in such a way that we're trained how to be surface level and shallow. That's how we're trained. We're not We're not taught. We're not shown. There's not a lot of models. There's not a lot of places and communities and contexts that we can go into to find something deeper than that. And if if, if you're not aware enough of that already, just watch the political scene over the next year. It is going to be a dumpster fire. Because we will constantly talk past each other. We'll constantly categorize one another. We will constantly why they vote the way they do and never get to know why the person believes what they believe, why they vote the way they do. Now, just the fact that they do is enough for me to write them off and begin to talk down at them. 
This is how we're trained in the world to behave, to relate. But Scripture provides a much different version of life and of the world. God provides a much different plan for our lives, a plan where we actually go deep. We go deep into who God is, a relationship with our Creator. We go deep into who we are, who we find ourselves to be in in God, and we go deep into relationships with others. So deep that even when I vehemently disagree with them, I love them no less, and I sacrifice my life for them. That's the kind of depth that we go. This Jesus in the garden sweating blood because he's about to go to the cross. This Jesus hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. By crucifying me. That's the depth of love and relationship that the scriptures give us a picture of. And so this morning, as we're in this series called You're Made for This, we're going to focus that we're made for deep connection, for deep connection with God and with one another. So if you'll say that with me, say for deep connection, for deep connection. This is where our focus is this morning as we pick up John 15, verses 9 through 17. It'll be on the screens if you don't have a Bible with you, or if you have your phone, you can pull up your Bible app. That's fine as well. I'm in the New Living Translation if you want to follow along. John 15, verses 9 through 17. This is what Jesus is teaching to his disciples at the time. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love one another. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would form us deeply with your love. Transform us. For those of us that are convinced you don't love us, convince us. Remind us if we've forgotten. Draw us near to you and allow us to see how much our Creator God loves us, that you didn't just create this world and step back and let things go, but you are here and involved and long to have a relationship with us, and then allow us to be formed in relationships with others deeply by love, by that love that you've displayed for us and put within us because of your Spirit, that we might love others deeply. 
That it wouldn't be a shallow connection. It wouldn't just be a, a friendship and an acquaintance that we touch back with here and there, but that we would go deep with one another, become transparent with one another, be honest with one another, allow our lives to be formed and molded together that we might display your love for this world as we love one another. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray all things. Amen. There's some incredible things happening in these two chapters. This first section that we just read out of is, is the passage where we talk about Jesus being the vine, the grapevine. I am the vine, and he uses this kind of old word we don't use a lot, abide. He says, if you will abide in me, then my love will abide in you. Abiding is this idea of remaining or being firmly planted in or rooted in, and that's the imagery of a vine, that the branches are deeply connected with one another, and that the only way they produce fruit is through that connection. And he goes on to describe that if the branch is not producing fruit, it's the gardener's job to get rid of that branch because it's not doing any good. But if it is producing fruit, then it's also the gardener's job to prune that branch back so that the branch will grow and produce even more fruit. He, he uses that connection to describe our lives in relationship with him and relationship with one another. Right, that it requires this deep connection with Jesus, this forming of a deep relationship with God and the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives for us to produce lasting fruit, this lasting fruit that Jesus talks about, this love, this deep love for others that Jesus calls us to. There's another amazing thing that he does in these two chapters where Jesus teaches on the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the fact that we can be empowered and connected to God through the Holy Spirit in such a way that we can go before God asking God in the name of Jesus for him to to move in our lives to come in and and show up in a specific way in our lives and that by the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit God himself can show up and do supernatural things in our life supernatural things and by supernatural, I don't actually mean the, the way this world thinks of miracles or things that are outside of nature. I actually mean what the scripture teaches, that it's how nature should be is what God's doing. When God heals someone who is sick, it's not a miracle. It's a returning to what should have been anyways. We get confused and think that these things are these miraculous outside of nature things. No, they're actually the very essence of nature, of how it should have been. God himself, creator God, steps into the mess of the world and makes my life whole. That's not a miracle. That's a return to how it should have been. That's supernatural. It's the essence of true humanity and nature when God does that. When God allows me to turn to someone who hates me and say, I love you and I'm willing to lay my life down for you, that's a return to how God created me to be. When I hate them back and I do things in vengeance towards them, that's not, that's not how it should be. That's the mess of the world. That's not natural. That's unnatural. But we've gotten so used to living that way that we begin to think it's natural. And it's the same with being shallow and surface level. We've gotten so used to it in our world. We've gotten so used to. And listen, I, I love the South. 
My whole family's from the South. I married into a Southern family. I love that we love to greet each other and say, hey, how are you doing? And what we really mean is just tell me you're doing good so we can move on. Like it's just a greeting. I don't need your life story right now. I've got somewhere to be. I'm good with that. Like I'm good with that, y'all. I'm not trying to rage against Southern culture. I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that we check in on one another, even in those moments that we don't really have time to talk. But if we never actually sit down with other people and really check in on them or call them up and really have an honest conversation with them, then we're living unnaturally. We're not living as God intended us to live. We're not living in deep connection with God and in deep connection with others. If we've never had a moment in our life where we've bared our soul to another person, we have not yet experienced the fullness of what it means to be human and what it means to be in deep connection with the Father and with one another. This morning, as we focus on this deep relationship with God and one another, we're focusing in on what the essence of our faith is. A Christian faith is not about where I get to go when I die. A Christian faith is about God breaking into our world right now, in my life right now, forming me deeply right now so that I can form deep connections with those around me right now. That God has something for my life right now that he wants, that he longs for me to experience, but it's going to require me having to give up all the things this world has taught me. It's going to require me having to be reformed and reshaped and retaught what it means to be human, what it means to be a child of the Creator God, what it means to be made for deep connection. Say, I was made for deep connection. Say that with me. I was made for deep connection. I realized this in college. Most of my life up until that point, I had lived really successfully in surface-level relationships. I had a lot of friends, a lot of people who liked me. I knew how to wear the right mask in the right place, right? So when I was with my soccer buddies, I wore that mask. And when I was with my nerd friends, because I was really smart too, uh, I wore that mask. And when I was with my church kid friends, I wore that mask. And I got really good at having enough surface-level relationships that I felt good about myself as long as I was around the people that I was wearing those masks around. But any time I got by myself and I had to actually deal with who I was, all of that faded away. And the emptiness that I was left with was more than I could bear. And in college, I had this pastor that I worked for. I interned under him. And I made a mistake, a big mistake. And I was interning under this pastor. And I had another local minister come to me because the mistake involved some other students. And he berated me, and I fought back against him and yelled at him and stormed out. But this pastor I was working for called me the next day. He said, hey, I heard that this went on. Um, we meet every week on Thursday. I'll see you then. There's no reason we need to meet before then. And we'll talk about it then. But you just need to know I love you. 
and nothing has changed. And he hung up. And that was the first time in my life that I had someone look at the mess of who I was and just say, I love you anyways. That it has not changed our relationship. I was used to the other guy. I was used to, you messed up, you knew, you knew better. I was used to that. I'd gotten that my whole life. I could get that from anyone. But I had never had someone look at me through the eyes of Jesus and just say, I know you've messed up. That isn't the problem. I don't even need to tell you that you've messed up. Because you know it. I need to tell you that I love you and that Jesus loves you. And our relationship didn't change. He continued to pour into me and love me and be there for me. And that transformed my understanding of Christianity. Transformed my understanding of church. It was no longer about just checking a box or doing the right thing that I thought was right or whatever. It was about a relationship where I could go and be who I was with someone and they could still love me just the same. The greatest, deepest need that each of us have is to be fully loved. But the only way you can be fully loved is to be fully known. If someone doesn't know you, then they don't really love you. Because they can't. You've never allowed them to. So this morning, as you're reflecting on this calling on our lives, that Christ has come to deeply connect us to the Father, to graft us into a relationship with the Father, and then to connect us to one another deeply, that we might produce the fruit of love out in the world, that people might see us producing this love, being this community that produces love, and they might be drawn to that love. As you're reflecting on that, I encourage you to respond to God. Don't just hole up in yourself. Don't, don't just be, be ambivalent about it. This is, this is a calling on your life that God has placed. He is speaking to you about a relationship with him, and he's speaking to you about having real, honest, deep relationships with others. And we long for this to be a place that that takes, that takes place. That this becomes a place and that any other gathering we become a part of starting becomes a place where we see people of different backgrounds, of different ethnicities, of different social classes, of all different walks of life, and yet the unity comes in Christ as we meet together. And we're able to hear people honestly about how their life experience has been and what they've gone through. And we're able to speak honestly back and we're able to love each other deeply in the midst of it. Whether we understand each other or not all the time, whether we're able to see the world the same way as the other person that I'm speaking to, I'm able to love them anyways. And Christ, he's calling you to that as well. He's calling you to be a part of that kind of a community in this place, of that kind of place of faith where we lay everything else aside and we focus solely on the deep connection God has for us with him and with one another. And so as we go into our time of response, you can come and kneel at the altar. 
Now, we just have kneeling pads right now. I actually have a friend who's a pastor, and he's building us some altar stuff. But for right now, they're just kneeling pads. It's nothing special. But it still is an opportunity for you to come, get out of your comfort zone, and just kneel. Just kneel at the altar and lay your life, your difficulties, your needs before God. So I'd encourage you to do that. Come and kneel. Come and pray. If you want to bring someone with you, if you want to bring your family with you, do it. Come and lay your life before God. Get out of the comfort zone of where you're at and do that. You can come and in a practical way offer prayer before God at our prayer wall. It just makes it a little more tangible that you write out what you're asking God for. You just fold it up and you stick it in the chicken wire. There's nothing special about it. But there is something special about going before God with your requests, making your requests known before God. So do it. You can also come and partake in any of our altar table elements. We have communion. So if you'd like to come and receive the body and blood, be reminded of your forgiveness that Jesus died and shed his blood for you, come and do that. If you'd like to run your hands through the bowl of water and be reminded of your adoption, if you've been baptized and you've been adopted into the family of God, you're a child of God, then do that. If you want to come and be anointed with oil, whether it's for healing or sickness or whether it's to be filled with the Holy Spirit that you've, you feel like you need the presence of God to come into your life powerfully right now and you need to have him pour himself out on you, then come be anointed with oil. But however you find yourself responding, respond. Don't let these moments pass where God is speaking and he's inviting you into deep relationship with him. Allow that deep connection to form and respond to his presence this morning.